All right. It's Tuesday, July 19th, almost a full week since the 1% hike from the Bank of Canada on July 13th. A few questions, trying to unpack some answers. Why a 1% hike on July 13th? What's going to happen at the next meeting on September 7th? And is anything going to happen between now and then? And the ultimate question, who will blink first? Consumers, businesses, or the Bank of Canada? Get into all of this as we progress here. So I've answered the, pardon me, I have the answer to the first question. But from there, it gets a little trickier, especially on this last matter of blinking. The Bank of Canada had no choice, really, on July 13th, because there's just two ways to slow down the spending that's currently driving inflation up. Option number one, we all politely agree to stop buying things. A bit like Jimmy Carter's failed strategy in the 70s, Carter asked Americans to please stop spending or else rates. The pretty please strategy is a strategy of hope. And as we know, hope is not a strategy at all. It didn't work then, it won't work now. It also cost Carter the next election and today's politicians, they keep track of that sort of thing. So that leads us to option number two. Option number two is the Bank of Canada pushes interest rates up fast enough and far enough that it scares us into standing still. It scares us into stopping spending. Because for the Bank of Canada, Canadians being a little bit worried about inflation just isn't enough. The Bank of Canada needs us to fear inflation as much, if not more, than they do. And believe me, they are fearful of what they are watching unfold as far as the inflation numbers go. The Bank of Canada's real fear, more than of inflation itself, is a justifiable fear a very real fear that Canadians will actually accept inflation. I mean, we are known for accepting a lot of different things as Canadians, aren't we? But acceptance of inflation leads us to a very dark place. As such, still stronger action from the Bank of Canada is inevitable, at least until inflation reports show a downward trend, which will be the result of Canadians taking the action of, well, no action. In a way, the Bank of Canada is playing a little bit of a game of chicken, which if you saw the movie Footloose, the scene where the two tractors are being driven towards one another head on, that's a game of chicken. So who will flinch first? Who will hit the brakes? The Bank of Canada needs to push interest rates up fast and furious in the hopes that consumers will then voluntarily stop spending. Uh, Voluntold, they'll, they'll voluntoldly stop spending. This, of course, is difficult when spending was already stopped involuntarily, uh, we were voluntold to stop spending for the better part of two years, during which the Canadian's average bank account ballooned. Canadian collective bank accounts ballooned by $300 billion. So we've got two tractors headed towards one another, one with the full weight of the Bank of Canada's superpowers, well, at least their one superpower loaded onto it, and that's a lot of weight. The other one, though, is piled high with 30 million plus Canadians looking to recapture a year or two of lost living, aka spending, who collectively have 300 billion more dollars than they did previous to the pandemic to spend. Thus, the Bank of Canada has no choice but again to push onward and upward with rates due to the very real risk of a fully employed cash flush inflation except and wage increasing overloaded tractor headed straight at the economy itself. I mean, the economy is kind of the thing in between the two tractors that's going to take the beating here one way or the other. The Bank of Canada must 
curb the forward momentum of these crazy Canuck consumers before the end game. The losing version of this game being entrenched inflation. There it is, entrenched, the new buzzword in Ottawa and certainly growing increasingly across our country. Last year's word was transitory. Ah, last, last summer, the halcyon bygone days of the summer, summer of 21. We were between COVID waves, released into a heat wave, a spending wave, a dating wave, an investing wave, a dining out wave, a getting together together with everybody wave. So many warm, wonderful waves, waves like a few of us have seen before, leading us to today with our new watchword, entrenched, now firmly, well, entrenched in our collective consciousness. An example of entrenched inflation is on display at the Modern Museum of World Powers of the Past, aka the UK. Sorry, but the sun now sets on the British Empire, doesn't it? Things have changed just a little bit. But in the UK, during a 25-year run-up to 1992, inflation ran at a pace of 750% over those 25 years. An entire generation, the inflation generation, basically grew up with all cool things just perpetually beyond their grasp, or for the posh, perpetually just within their grasp. That's no way to live. The rising tide, well, it lifted all yachts in the UK, and if not all boats, leaving an entire class hollowed out from the middle, that being the middle class. If you've been to the UK any time in your lifetime, then you've seen prices that seem absurd. Tenors flying out of one's hands for everything from, you know, for every little thing, from a fruit cup to a 99 to a pint of warm beer. <clears throat> we got to pay extra to heat that beer, I guess. As for petrol prices, you know, gas, as they, as we call it, the UK had, had today's prices beat before the turn of the century. It's old news over there. Car manufacturers rub their hands together when they review a sales report from Treasure Island, as they refer to the UK, because the exact same car here, that exact same car you're driving, over there is double to triple the price, and you pay extra for a passenger side wing mirror. You pay extra for an ashtray. I mean, well, you know, not so much anymore, but you pay extra for every little nuance. Because why? Because how? Because entrenched. That's why. For UK residents, all of this is normal. It's accepted. It's entrenched. We've long here been the land of milk and honey from the UK perspective. And is that all about the change? Well, not under the current Bank of Canada's watch, if they have anything to say about it. Because while it's relatively easy to manage an economy through and out of a mild recession, it's incredibly difficult to change the course of an economy in the midst of a sharp or worse still runaway inflation. And this is why the Bank of Canada is fighting the good fight, trying to basically trigger a mild recession. You know, they're trying to get our attention right now. No better way to do that than by triggering a mild recession to create greater fear of inflation than there is of recession. That's the key, right? We need to be more afraid of inflation than we are of a recession. To have a mild recession is kind of like to have a mild cold. To be diagnosed with inflation is akin to being diagnosed with a cancer of some kind. You just hope it's going to be a good one if there is such a thing. There isn't, really. It's more serious, but still has a very high survival rate if we act soon enough and aggressively enough. A recession, on the one hand, it can be prepared quite smoothly with a mild to medium drop in interest rates, the sort of medicine that really goes down easily, right? Hmm, lower rates, yum. Inflation, though, that requires a much less appealing treatment. 
And the longer it's left to fester, the more aggressive the medicine required. Yes, aggressive enough that the treatment may seriously harm other parts of the host. The longer we wait, the greater the risk. The primary medicine today being an increase in the prime lending rate, which is typically adjusted on eight preset dates. So they've got one tool and they've got eight times to use that tool per year. And with six weeks between the last dates of June 1st to July 13th, it was for the Bank of Canada just a lot like that childhood drive to Disney. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because one thing after another kept popping out in the news and July 13th couldn't arrive soon enough given all the different things that were happening economically. Our old nemesis, hindsight, looms large these days, right? Screaming in our ears, screaming certainly in the Bank of Canada's ears as well, that they waited too long to make that first move. Why did they wait so long? March 2nd, by the way. And then they didn't move far enough, right? Easily pointed out, Mr. Hindsight, thanks so much. Look, every teenager in a movie theater has been there, right? We've had those same moments. Do I? Is now the time? Like, do, 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 do now? Like, what am I doing here? Do I? Don't I? Dare I? Don't I? Dare I don't? Dare I not? The too little, too late narrative drove that recent Super Size Me style rate hike, the whopping 1% hike. Time is money. And the time, six weeks between the meetings, began to cost too much, i.e. the value of money was dropping due to inflation. So speaking of the next time they meet, eight weeks away, this is a longer stretch still with not one, pardon me, not one, but two inflation reports between now and that meeting. So what does that suggest? Should the Bank of Canada have gone one and a half or even 2% and just throw on a great big ice cold wet blanket across you know, the Canadian consumer psyche? Arguably, yes, if this is the only tool they have in use. I mean, it's a powerful tool. It's a little bit like a flamethrower. And yes, running through your house with a flamethrower after a mosquito is a little risky. But increasingly, it appears the Bank of Canada is not after a mosquito. All right. They're chasing that scary ass clown from Stephen King's It. And it ain't good. It has got to go. Sitting on their hands is what the Bank of Canada is already being accused of. Again, hindsight. So now they got to play catch up. And they're getting in the game may involve a degree of overkill. And I don't think that 1% hike was the amount of overkill they could have applied, nor is it necessarily the amount of overkill they might. But I'm out of the prediction business. What I do know, what I can say with certainty, it's not a prediction. It's a reality. We can and we will endure this. We will adapt. It's what we do. We'll get past this. We'll get through this. But at this moment in time, we're smack dab in the middle of the Bank of Canada's self-described neutral zone at 2.5%. They said they'd hold the overnight rate between 2 and 3%. That was the range. That's what they've been communicating for some time. We're now at 2.5%, which translates into what you and I really care about, a prime rate at the banks of 4.7%. Will the Bank of Canada hit that outer limit of 3%? Will they go through that September 7th? We only take a half point hike for them to get there. So all indications really seem like they're actually going to be stepping outside the neutral range they've been talking up for the last several months. So will they go further? Count on it. And watch those inflation reports from July and August. You know, But it's going to seem like they're going to have very little, very little choice. All along the way, the reality of our nation's success is working against the Bank of Canada's success. Canada is a country at full employment. 
Nearly every last Canadian who wants a job has a job. May not be the job you want. I get that. But everybody can have a job if they want a job at this point. And look no further than the 1 million unfilled job postings to make that clear. And that's okay. Canada also has 500,000 roughly new immigrants annually this year and next, which is a good news story because that'll put a dent in those current job postings. So on the one hand, we have the doom and gloom regarding inflation and increasing rates. On the other, we have a populace that feels a little bit like they're living their best life. I mean, we've got full employment, a labor shortage, which is pushing wages up and keeping wages high and keeping people employed. We've got its record immigration. We've got lots of people coming to join us at the party, which also means more construction of housing, which means more stability in the construction sector. It all leads to what, though? Well, after a long week of swinging a hammer or tapping on a keyboard, people want to do what? Well, a lot of times they go out for a bite to eat. They spend some money. They try and live that best life. And most can afford a version of this even today because the Bank of Canada rate movement hits so few households in a direct, immediate, material way. Fewer than 5% of Canadian households are in an adjustable rate mortgage feeling that movement on their mortgage payment. Tenants aren't feeling a difference on rent. If you got a credit card balance, that's been a 20% for since time began. So that didn't change. If you got a car loan, that's almost certainly at a fixed rate. So your car payment didn't change. Yes, inflation, gas, groceries, those things are changing. But what the Bank of Canada is trying to do to slow down the consumer with the increase in prime, it's just not something that a lot of consumers are really feeling. Right. And the vast majority of people have or feel like they have job stability. And with virtually all consumer debt set to fixed interest rates, everybody's headed out on Friday night for a bite. That's the reality. Maybe not to the exact same sorts of restaurants, but everywhere we look, there's help wanted signs, lineups, reduced hours. I've seen some businesses closed for entire days or weeks at a time because they can't get staff to open. Now, admittedly, I mainly turn up at smoothie shops and Chipotle, uh, my kind of fine dining, but this is the reality all around us. And so the Bank of Canada is stuck with an incredibly challenging problem to solve. They need to curb our spending at a time where we're all employed and have some extra cash in our pocket collectively on average. And the old school tool of interest rates seems somehow wrong for this job. Can they put away the flamethrower and get out a scalpel? Can they get more narrowly targeted somehow? Is there a way to remove the cancer without harming the patient? Here's the only answer that I can give you to any of these questions. The only good news that I can really deliver today at all. I can't really give you any of the answers. The only real piece of good news I can deliver you today on July 19th. All I can tell you is there's no more action due from the Bank of Canada until after summer vacation. So there's still, what, seven, almost eight weeks of summer vacation before the Bank of Canada is going to swoop back into our lives and do whatever it is they're going to do. So, hey, at least we don't have to figure out the answers to these questions ourselves. That's largely their problem, not ours. So they're not going to have as great a summer vacation at the Bank of Canada as we're going to have. So get out there, make the most of your summer, enjoy it. Ideally, without spending any money, pretty please, pretty please. Can we just agree to stop paying over ask for cars, trucks, boats, etc.? Can we ease up, hold off, allow the supply chain to catch back up? I get it. You want what you want. I want what I want. We all want what we want when we want it. But look, bottom line, my conclusion is this. It's all I got for you. Make the most of summer. There it is. Take care.
I wish I had more.